Hello and welcome. I'm Joanna Yunak and this is GFN News on GFN.tv. Last year, the Australian National Health and Medical Research Council published a position statement on electronic cigarettes. Recently, a group of scientists have published a document which criticizes the NHMRC document. Joining us today to discuss misleading science misinterpretation is Clive Bates, director of Counterfactual Consulting, who will be joining us at GFN23 in Warsaw in June. Hello, Clive. Many studies have shown that e-cigarettes are safer than cigarettes. So, why do leading organizations still deny THR science? Look, there's no doubt uh, that e-cigarettes are much less harmful than cigarettes. Absolutely no doubt at all. It's a function of the physics, the chemistry, much, much lower exposures of toxicants in the in the body. It couldn't be anything other than much less harmful. But you're right. It is amazing that we have seen um, medical organizations, public health organizations, activists, foundations, piling in to suggest either we don't know whether they are much less risky or, or even less risky or that they are as harmful or more harmful. And it, it is shocking, actually. And I think uh, one can only conclude that these groups don't want this sort of good news. They want people to quit smoking, but they want people to quit smoking the way they think they should. Um, you know, through a, a more medicalized model, through the more punitive and restrictive regulatory approaches uh, that they favor. And they don't want consumers to solve the problem of smoke, smoking on their own initiative, at their own expense, for their own benefit, without really any involvement of the public health groups. And I think they possibly feel threatened by it. And therefore, they're mounting defences by suggesting that these products are not more, uh, not much more safe and also don't help you quit smoking, both of which are false. What are some of your concerns about the NHMRC document? Well, the, the NHMRC is a prime example of uh, using misleading science, misinterpretation to try to, you know, sew together uh, a case uh, against vaping. And uh, uh, of course, what's happened now is that really world famous experts have come in and said enough and they have written uh, a brilliant rebuttal in the journal, you know, serious journal addiction, going through the main arguments. So the um, NHMRC says, you know, the, there's no evidence that these products are much safer. They may be more dangerous over the long term. They question whether they're useful for quitting smoking. Um, they suggest there's a gateway effect. You know, you use these products, then more people smoke. And what the experts do is they go through these claims one by one and basically demolish them in plain language using high quality scientific studies to make their case. And I, I think they finish by saying, you know, you may talk about conflicts of interest. And yes, we have to be wary of industry conflicts of interest, but many advocates and activists have conflicts of interest in this field. They don't like e-cigarettes and they're prone to finding arguments against them and i think they have now called for a genuinely independent inquiry in australia to examine 
the the facts and the evidence clearly and present reliable information to politicians and the media and not the stuff coming out of the Australian public health establishment. And why is this scientific paper important for tobacco harm reduction in Australia? Well, I, I think the paper that's been uh, issued by these experts is a brilliant critique whose value extends far beyond Australia. Uh, I mean, they took the arguments that were used in Australia, but these are your arguments that are used everywhere. Uh, they just happen to, to do it by critique, critiquing a document that was produced in Australia. And I hope um, that what, what it will do is cause people who make these arguments to reflect more carefully on what they're doing. They're basically trying to persuade smokers not to take a much safer option that they can take on their own initiative and at their own expense by filling the atmosphere with misleading statements, um, doubt and uncertainty, where really none of that is justified. Now, I think that's deeply unethical and that the people doing it should read this paper and ask what it is they're doing when they come to work and do this sort of thing. Whether they will or not, I don't know. There's a very strong groupthink in tobacco control that is hostile to these reduced risk products. And they are likely to sort of either ignore it or try and fend it off because it's in their interest to do that. The general public is exposed to a lot of vaping misinformation. How does this paper help address that? Well, the new paper is particularly good because it is written in very simple, straightforward, candid language. It takes the claims and it makes a counterclaim and explains why the original claims from Australian this Australian Public Health uh, Committee are wrong, uh, flawed or misleading. Um, and I think that's very good work. Uh, it's not the typical science that you see in the field, which is mostly trying to do uh, experiments or studies. This is a synthesis, an attempt, an attempt to break down a set of arguments systematically, and it does it very well, and I recommend that everybody reads it. It's, it's not paywalled and it's easily accessible. Um, but what I, what, I think, what I think we have to do is get a more honest discussion about these issues, because if you're providing, if you are circulating misinformation or you're misleading people, you're potentially misleading them into harming themselves in a lethal way, you know, causing them to get cancer, heart disease, COPD. Now that's a very grave responsibility. And if you're doing it when you should know better, and now you should know better, then I think it's gross negligence. If, if you were doing that as a doctor in a, you know, in a, in, in a general practice surgery, you'd be facing medical negligence charges. The fact that you do it by speaking out loud in the media, uh, in, in uh, committees with position statements doesn't absolve the people doing it of their responsibility. They are responsible for ethically for communicating reliable, proportionate and easily understood information and not misleading people. Final question for you, Clive. What are the conflicts between evidence, ideology, politics and financial interest in THR communication? I, I think there's a few things to say about that. First, uh, I think 
you know, you are right that you can, you, you know, scientists can fight each other to a standstill with data, charts, odds ratios and all the rest of it. I think a particularly important strand of evidence is the direct experience of consumers and users who speak often very passionately about what a life-changing effect it has, it has had on them and how much it means to them. And I think that channels its way through politics in a via a different route than scientific argument. And I uh, urge every consumer engaging with their representatives to tell their story and tell them how they feel about it. Because in my experience, that works. That's very persuasive. Um, you know, even if it's not strictly purely scientific, you tell a story about what it meant for you. No one can really deny that. The second thing is, I think we need we need progressive politicians to understand here that smoking is a kind of blight on deprived communities, low socioeconomic groups, people with mental health problems, uh, homeless prisoners, substance use, uh, people with substance use problems, uh, minorities and so on. And therefore, harm reduction is a very important strategy for addressing health inequalities and dealing with the burdens that the, you know, often the most unfortunate people in society are, are facing. And they need to have a more humane and more empathetic approach than simply trying to clobber people with ever harder tobacco control measures, ever more punitive taxes, ever stronger restrictions, you know, banning banning everything outdoors, indoors, whatever. Here we have a much more humane and compassionate strategy that will deal with the um, smoking problems of the poorest people, if only we let it. And politicians, I think, should get on board with that and see their role as providing a proportionate regulatory framework backed up by help, reliable information and encouragement. And if they did that, they would make real inroads into the problem of smoking and begin to address health inequalities. Thank you, Clive. That's all for today. Don't forget to book your place at GFN23 to hear more from Clive and to join in the discussion yourself. Tune in next time here on GFN TV or on our GFN TV podcast. Thanks for watching or listening. See you next time.